Hello, everyone, and either welcome or welcome back to the Gender Libertarian Podcast. If you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. Well, that was one hell of a week that we just made it through. Um, yeah, we elected a new president, and we actually got the results before recording today. So <laughs> a little better than what I expected, which, as you remember... Last week when we left off, I wasn't entirely sure if we would know by this time who the next president of the United States was going to be, but it does seem that barring anything cuckoo crazy crackers happening, it will be Joe Biden being sworn in in January. But of course, that is still up for some debate, but we will go ahead and start where I have been starting, and that is with the unemployment numbers. Uh, For the week ending on Halloween on the 31st, Uh, We added an additional 738,000 new unemployment claims. So, yeah, still, I mean, it's kind of creeping down a bit. So that's that's nice, but still really high up there. Um, Like I said, I'm still holding out for seasonal employment, but I don't know. This seems to be kind of our new normal. Um, We did get the jobs numbers for October And in October, we added 680,000 jobs, which I'm sure everybody here can do basic math and see that while 680,000 jobs is nice, it's good, it's something to applaud, that does not cover one week of unemployment claims. So still not in a very good position right now. Whether anything is going to change, I don't know. I have no fucking clue what the hell is going to happen between now and January, but I remain optimistic. I keep cheering and hoping that we will cross this bend at some point and at least maybe make it down to half a million claims a week. Maybe. Come on, economy, you can do it. But obviously, now that we have the election results... And it's still a little too early because we did not get election results on election night, which I told you was not going to happen. In fact, like I said, I wasn't even sure if we were going to have them by the time I sat down to record today on the 8th. So um, we did find out yesterday on November 7th, around 1130-ish, that the Associated Press called Pennsylvania for Joe Biden, which gave him enough electoral college votes for him to be the president-elect. And while that's not... Entirely accepted by everybody right now. Um, it seems to be the general consensus that Joe Biden will be the next president of the United States. Um, we still waiting for results from a couple of states, most notably Georgia, which it looks like, looks like it's going to go blue. It, it's looking like Biden is going to win Georgia. And I've been saying that one of the biggest stories that's going to come out of this election season is the Southeast. Um, Donald Trump did win Texas by a pretty healthy margin. Um, Like I said, it it looks like Georgia is going to be blue. Um, Trump did end up winning Florida, but there seems to be a rather interesting reason why. And that seems to be that um, apparently Democrats forgot that... um, Cubans are disproportionately Republican and really don't like socialism. And I guess nobody bothered to counter 
the campaigning that the Republicans were doing, especially in South Florida within the Cuban community, of painting the Democratic Party in general, like not just Joe Biden, because obviously you can't really make this case about Joe Biden, but that the Democratic Party as a whole now has this pro-socialist policy. And so the Cubans went overwhelmingly for Trump. And I I crunched the numbers for a piece that I wrote for my Substack this past week. And there's two new pieces from this past week. So if you have not, go check those out. It's jenmonroe.substack.com. And Biden lost Florida by like 387,000 and change votes. So not, not a blowout win for Trump, but this is something that is kind of a big deal because... If Biden would have won Florida, this race would have been over Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. As it stood, it took all the way till Saturday afternoon. And like I said, we still do not have final results. Um, Obviously, the Trump camp is contesting various and assorted things. But yeah, like I said, it seems the general consensus is Joe Biden is going to be the next president. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not happy about it. I'm not unhappy about it. I wasn't going to be happy no matter who won because I don't like either one of these guys. Uh, Biden did give his acceptance speech last night, which this is because of the whole like hyper extended election night. We have had an election night that kind of went on for almost a week. Um, It was kind of funny that you know, it's like, when do you give your acceptance speech? Like, what? It, it was just, it was a weird week, just a really weird, drawn out, long week. And I still remain vindicated in my decision to tell everybody to go to bed at a decent hour. Because I told you we weren't going to have results. People stayed up. I'm like, no, go to bed. Just go to bed. It'll be all right. So that's where that is. Um, One of the biggest butthurts that has come out from conservatives is that in the key battleground states of Georgia, Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Wisconsin, libertarians beat the spread between Trump and Biden. So now we get the whole narrative that you goddamn libertarians cost Trump the election, which you know what? That's your fault. I nope, 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 nope. I'm done trying to save that party. Y'all, you kicked us out. Hope you're happy. You decided you didn't need us? All right. We got the fuck on. Sorry. But, of course, that that is going to be one of the narratives going forward. And there's already talk about what libertarians should do going forward. You know, I've, I've been on record and pretty damn clear about this, that as far as I'm concerned, the GOP can die in a fire. Like, I, I have no interest in doing Tea Party 2.0. I have no interest in trying to infiltrate the Republican Party. Like, I was here for the first one. I, I, I went through this. I saw how it ended. I am not trying to do that again. I'm not going to sit here and, and pretend like any Republican now who wants to stand up and be like, oh, oh I'm worried about, about big government and I'm worried about the debt and I'm worried about the deficit. Motherfucker, where the hell were you in the past four years? No, you don't. You don't care. You do not care. They cared because they wanted to be contrarian to Obama. Like there, there was no, no actual ideology there other than we're going to latch on to these policies because they're the opposite of Obama's policies. And you know what? My policy positions are not your prom dress. And I'm, I'm not having it. I, I don't care. I don't 
care what the GOP does. And it's something that I have been thinking a lot about. And I think I will write for that on the Substack. So keep an eye out for that. But it, it was a question I was asked when this past week I was on RT, I was on Ben Swan's show, and he asked me what I thought was going to happen going forward with the GOP. And at this point, I'm kind of still in the I don't know phase, but from reactions that I'm starting to see where it's kind of becoming, like I said, that accepted reality that we are going to have a President Biden, there's been a lot of very interesting movement in conservative circles. So I want to see that play out for a couple more days before I kind of make a final decision, because there's definitely going to be a schism. There is going to be a schism within the GOP. There's already a schism forming within the Democrats. AOC couldn't even wait one damn day and let people have the Biden win before coming out and trying to attack Democrats who lost, which that's kind of another thing that came out of this election, is that while we got President-elect Joe Biden, Democrats did not pick up the Senate and they lost seats in the House including a couple of seats that they actually flipped in 2018. So there is quite the the battle going on. And it's it's interesting. And I wrote about this again for the Substack. Neither party really won this election. Like, obviously, Republicans lost the presidency, but Democrats didn't gain the Senate and the House the way they thought they were going to. So now we're in this really bizarre kind of limbo situation right now where... It looks like we're going to have a leaner majority Democratic House. You're going to have a Republican Senate, asterisk right there. I'll get back to that in a second. And then you're going to have a President Joe Biden. Now, for the asterisk, um, both of Georgia's Senate seats seem to be poised for a runoff. Um, Here in Georgia, if you do not get at least 50% of the vote, you automatically go to a runoff. So how that's going to shake out, I don't know. So you guys are going to have to deal with Georgia's bullshit until at least January. (laughs) Buckle up, guys. It's going to be all about Georgia for the next two months because those two seats are going to determine the balance of power in the Senate. If I had to predict, you know what? No, I can't even do that. I I don't know. I, I literally do not know what is going to happen in a runoff election. All I know is there's going to be a bunch of people dumping a whole bunch of money into Georgia to try to make whatever they want happen, happen. And I'm going to be stuck watching political ads until January. Please feel sorry for me. (laughs) I was really looking forward to never having to see John Ossoff again. And now I'm going to have to keep seeing John Ossoff until January. God. Uh, Anyway. Yeah. So right now we're in this very weird limbo spot and AOC is already out here attacking Democrats who lost for not being progressive enough, which is a way I guess you can spin it, but it doesn't quite jibe with the reality that, I mean, first of all, the nation is not a monolith. And I'm sure there are certain places where being more progressive would play better for Democrats. There are places, obviously, like Florida, which I just discussed, where going more progressive is going to hurt the party tremendously. And there's been talk about internal discussions that have been going on within the the Democratic Party and on caucus calls about how stances like defund the police and kind of more, or at least looking more pro-socialist 
hurt the Democratic candidates. And that is something that they're going to have to deal with going forward. And like I said, it, it there's there's no one true path for any political party. But the idea that people like AOC can't quite accept the fact that, yes, you're going to have to have centrist in your party if you want to get anything done. I don't know. It's going to be a big old fight. And there's going to be a big old fight in the GOP over where exactly that party goes. Like, do you stay with this kind of Trumpism sort of thing? Do you try to pivot back to the center? Do you try to go back to kissing libertarians' asses? There's there's a lot kind of up in the air after this election. And I got to say, this did not really go the way I thought it was going to. Like, I... I, I softly predicted a Biden win with a lot of caveats last week, but I also assumed that Democrats would take the Senate. And I was thinking that there would be like a straight flush and I was not looking forward to that. So this this result is, I mean, I guess of all of the results that one could have, this is one of the better ones. I mean, it most certainly could be worse. It's, it's definitely a situation where, again, depending on what happens in Georgia, um, not going to get a progressive agenda through the Senate because you're going to have Mitch McConnell and the, Dem- or the Republicans there to block it. And you also have Joe Biden, who is not a progressive. I don't care what anybody tries to paint him as. This dude is a centrist normie, and he is going to reach out to Republicans and work with them. And that's going to piss off progressives so bad. It's going to be hilarious to watch, at least over the next two years. Like I said, provided that Republicans do keep their majority in the Senate, to watch progressives get even more marginalized by Joe Biden and a centrist right, centrist left coalition coming together to get things done. And I don't know, eat ice cream cones and ride around in vintage Corvettes. So... It's it's going to be interesting. It's definitely, definitely could have been worse. I, I was definitely expecting worse. So, hey, I'm, I'll see what happens here. Like, I don't, at, at best, you're probably going to get at least two years of gridlock. <laughs> I know a lot of you love gridlock. <laughs> so we're probably going to get that. Or, like I said, that center-right, center-left coalition reappearing and working with Joe Biden to get more centrist policies pushed through. We shall see. So, anyway, a lot of people, despite technically winning or losing the election, not super happy. Like, progressives, not super happy. The MAGA conservatives, not super happy. Although, I would think that the GOP should be happier than they currently are because I thought that Trump would do so much damage to the GOP brand that it would basically screw everybody down ticket. It seems that a lot of voters split their vote and voted for Biden at the top of the ticket, but still voted for their GOP senators and Congress people down ticket, which while that is a repudiation of Trump, it's basically saying we don't like Trump, but it is still saying we still like the GOP. We still like Republicans. We just don't like that guy, which is better news than I thought that they could expect coming out of this election, too. So, like I said, it's just a really weird place where nobody really feels like they won 
which I guess for libertarians is possibly the best news anybody can have coming out of this is that neither side is particularly happy with their wins or their losses. And so nobody can really claim a mandate for anything. And so it's just this weird stalemate sort of situation. So, you know who did win, though? Drugs won. Drugs won on Tuesday night. Here are some of the things that passed on Tuesday. Um, New Jersey, Arizona, and Montana legalized recreational weed. Uh, South Dakota became the first state to legalize medicinal and recreational at the same time. Mississippi. Mississippi, people. Legalized medicinal marijuana. Mississippi. It, you don't get much more deep south than Mississippi. Like, come on now. I mean, after this, what? Get it off schedule one. Stop this bullshit. Like, come on now. Even even the south is down with this. Like, this, it, it needs to stop. It really, it, it, marijuana needs to come off of schedule one. It needs to be decriminalized. Just make it happen already. Like, God damn, why is this so difficult for politicians to get their heads around? But we are not done with drugs. Um, D.C. legalized mushrooms, like psychocilibin, hallucinogenic mushrooms. So good job, D.C. Oregon decided to decriminalize all the drugs, all of them, for personal use, not for, like, having amounts that would count for dealing and stuff like that. But yeah, decrimmed all the drugs. <laughs> But it, it's it's funny. It's fun to laugh at that. But this does show that as much as we focus on federal elections and federal policy, that there's a lot that can be done on the state and local level. And we don't have to wait for the federal government to catch up or to get on the train or to get any of this done. Although there should still definitely be pressure on the federal government to get this done. States can and are taking matters into their own hands and deciding what they do and do not want legalized in their state as far as drugs are concerned. And that's cool. Like, we, we forget that states can do that. So it's kind of cool to see states doing that. And it's interesting to see that the next frontier kind of seems to be more hallucinogenics. Because that's that's been the question. It's like, okay, we've pretty much all accepted that marijuana is going to be legalized across the nation in some way, shape, or form. So what's going to be the next drug up after marijuana? And a lot of people have wondered about like MDMA and LSD because those do have therapeutic purposes. So maybe that can go the path that marijuana did where it kind of starts out being legalized for medicinal purposes and then you move into recreational. Um, it looks like, it looks like mushrooms or might be the next one. So kind of surprising there. I mean, I, I do know that there have been studies as much as studies can be done because of the illegality of the drugs in question. But I know there has been studies into psychosyllabin being used in therapeutic sort of regiments for mental health and stuff like that. So maybe that will be the next one up. Maybe, maybe once we get we done, it'll be mushrooms next. Or maybe we'll just be like Oregon and decrim all the things right now. <laughs> but that's that's great. Good job, Oregon. Good job to all of those states. And good job to everybody who voted. 
Two more high notes that I want to discuss before I get into the dumpster fire that was the rest of this week. And that is two votes that took place in California that I think are extremely telling. Uh, The first one was on Proposition 16, which if you weren't aware, in California, it is illegal to employ affirmative action in hiring decisions. You cannot take into account somebody's race, their gender, their sexual orientation, any of that. Proposition 16 would have overturned that and allowed affirmative action employment practices to be practiced in California. Proposition 16 was voted down. So in California, the voters decided that affirmative action should not be used in hiring practices. That's pretty amazing, especially when you think like it's California. Like if there's any place in the world that's going to be liberal slash leftist enough to have overturned that, it would be California, right? But they voted to not. And so I think that's a very telling vote on the basis of this conversation that we're having about like critical race theory and wokeness and all all that, like even like even, this didn't even fly in California. So good luck with the other 49 states. Um, the other interesting California vote was on Proposition 22, which this is the one that I'm assuming now overturns AB5, which was the law that was put in place targeting freelance workers in California and trying to basically end the freelance industry in California and make everybody be employees. And this was originally like the whole point of this was to get at Uber and Lyft. AB5, as it was originally written, pretty much wiped out all freelancing in California. And so different various sorts of carve outs had to be made for this industry and that industry. The whole thing was stupid. Like the whole idea is stupid. If people want to be freelance workers, they can be freelance workers. If they want to be employees, they can go be employees. It's not the state's business. What employment arrangement you want to enter into with your potential employer. But of course, there is this progressive push that like, especially Uber and Lyft drivers. It always seems to be about Uber and Lyft. Like, apparently they're the only people that employ freelance workers. I did not know that. Considering I am a freelance writer, I... Um, so yeah, basically that got shot down. So yes, now Uber and Lyft workers in California can still be freelancers and don't have to go on a payroll, which obviously that would have pretty much killed Uber and Lyft in California. And both companies said as much like if they're like, well, if we have to operate under these conditions, then we won't operate in your state at all, which is always an option. Just take your ball and go home. But again, If something like AB5 cannot stand in California, if the people of California vote that down, the the chances of getting anything like that approved of on a federal level is practically nil. Like if if you can't do it in California, you're not going to be able to do it in Texas or Nebraska or Oklahoma or New York or Virginia or Montana or anywhere else. Like, if it's not going to fly in California, it ain't going to fly anywhere. So both of those votes, I thought, were incredibly interesting. And I'm sure more people will write about those. And it just it's just an interesting kind of temperature take, I think, as to 
where people really are on certain issues because we get stuck in our little online bubbles and stuff like that. And sometimes we think things might be a little more popular and acceptable than they actually are. And then you have situations like this where it's proven to you that, yeah, these things that certain people think are super popular and like everybody wants to do them, like uh, Californians can't even get down with this shit. So a little bit of good news Now to move on to everything else. Let me go ahead and preface this by saying I am not at all surprised at the events of this week, except for one very notable thing. Um, I've been telling you guys that Donald Trump was going to challenge the results of this vote. And I told you that because Donald Trump has been telling everybody that for months. So in that respect, I am not at all surprised that lawsuits have been filed, that certain narratives have been put forth, that the president has seemingly completely lost his shit on Twitter. But here's what I, silly me, I don't know why I thought this after all this time, but I thought that due to the fact that Donald Trump has spent months telegraphing his punches on this one, that when it was time to file the lawsuits, that there would be a more cohesive legal strategy. I thought that this would be more of a situation where the Trump team would wait for all the votes to be counted, wait for everything to come in, look at how the Electoral College shakes out, look at where it makes most sense to try to mount a legal challenge to the votes. I thought it would be handled in a more like logistical way like that, that would make kind of more sense. That has not been what has happened. Um, Basically, as soon as I I think the first one was filed on Wednesday. Um, Yeah. At this point, I believe it has been nine lawsuits that the Trump campus filed based around the idea of voter fraud or that poll watchers were being kept out of specific polling places or that some sort of malfeasance is going on somewhere. All of these cases have been thrown out so far due to lack of evidence. I I, I thought, like I said, silly me, I thought they'd be a lot smarter than this. I, I thought this operation would be a lot more prepared and professional because in, in reading some of the transcripts from some of these cases, you could just tell the judge is like, why are you here? What are we doing? Like when you, you make an accusation, like I think it was the one of the suits that was filed in Pennsylvania. Um, the allegation was that Republican poll watchers were being kept out of polling places. So of course you, you go to court like you're supposed to have evidence, right? Like you're supposed to have evidence of what you're proving. And so the judge asks like, okay, well, how, how many people, how, how many Republicans are, are being poll watchers? Like how many are being allowed in there? And the lawyer said, it's not a non-zero number. <laughs> Guys, do not fuck with a federal judge. Do not mess with somebody who has the power to make your life a living hell. Do not go in front of a federal judge and make a dumbass argument like that. So it's just, not a single one has stuck yet. And I'm I'm just sitting here watching this play out. And now you've got 
two different things going on. And yeah, <laughs> you've got the legal situation, which has not been good for the Trump team. Like I said, they've not had a case yet that has not been thrown out almost immediately due to lack of evidence. But you have this whole narrative online of people who are desperately looking for voter fraud, looking for anything. Like we're talking people are like combing live streams of poll workers counting votes. Like this shit is online. Like you can watch a fucking live stream, but you're taking pieces of live stream and clipping them out of context. And we've already had one poll worker in Fulton County who now cannot even leave his house because people fucking thought he did a thing. He didn't, but they found his name. They found his, his phone number. They found his address. And now like, he can't even leave the fucking house. It's like, can you people not like, can you please not get somebody injured or killed over this shit? Like, but there's so many people pushing that narrative that there's something wrong. Something is clearly wrong. And (laughs) the thing that everybody thinks is clearly wrong is the thing that we have been literally discussing for months. And that is the fact that, yes, on Tuesday night, you were going to get a situation that looked very favorable to Donald Trump. Because in many key battleground states, Republican legislatures pushed that mail-in ballots could not be counted until election day. So what you had was the in-person ballots being counted first, which disproportionately favor Republicans. It's, uh, we, we discussed this. 538 wrote a piece about this very scenario that we're seeing play out back in August. Republicans voted in person because Donald Trump and Republicans launched this whole campaign against mail-in voting, whipped up everybody about voter fraud, and you can't trust it, and you don't do it, you gotta go to the polls and vote. Whereas Democrats push the idea of mail-in voting to tell people like, listen, don't, don't go out to the polling places, you, you know, stay away, just do it, all, do it through the mail, just request your ballot, send it in. So yes, obviously you have a very, very obvious partisan split between the two different forms of voting. So like I said, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, things were looking pretty good for Trump because the majority of the votes that were being counted were the votes that were cast on election day. Then once you start counting the mail-in ballots and you start mixing those in with the in-person results, all of a sudden things stopped looking so great for Donald Trump and started looking a lot better for Joe Biden, which everybody knew was going to happen. Or at least you should have known. Like this was totally and completely expected. I'm not entirely sure why anybody's confused by this. I, I don't I don't understand. But of course, this is being taken as some evidence of some side of voter fraud somehow or another. Nobody has given any kind of coherent explanation. Every single instance that has been thrown up of somebody saying, oh, look, look at this one. This is the voter fraud has been debunked within like five minutes of Google searching. Like the one about Oh, look, in Wisconsin, there's more voters than there are people on the rolls. It's like, yeah, they allow same-day voting. So does Michigan. So, yes, those numbers are not going to match up. Like, there's very simple explanations for this stuff, people. But my favorite one was was Sharpiegate. And that's the online rumor that started spreading that in Maricopa and Pima counties out in Arizona, um, poll workers were tricking... (laughs) 
I'm sorry. <laughs> that poll workers were somehow tricking Trump supporters. What, how, how would they know who they're going to vote for? I don't know. Nobody ever really explained that. But somehow they were tricking Trump supporters into using Sharpie markers, using felt tip markers to fill in their ballots. And the, the whole theory was that because the ink would bleed through the ballot paper, that the ballot would not be readable by the ballot reader and then it would be thrown out. Um yeah, election officials in both Maricopa and Pima County came out and said, no, using a Sharpie is perfectly fine. Those votes are fine. They go through the ballot reader. And even if not, then they get hand registered. Like, it's just, it, some of the shit has just been stupid. I'm sorry. It's just been fucking stupid. Like, how, are you kidding me? But of course, there are people, no doubt, due to the fact that Donald Trump has spent months promoting this, this narrative that are dead set on thinking that somehow this election has been stolen by Democrats, which, if so, they suck at stealing an election. You stole the wrong one. <laughs> you should have stole the one for the Senate. You should. <laughs> like, it's, it's like, and that's the whole reason why progressives are so mad right now is that they know that without the Senate, there's no point in having the executive branch. So, like, if you're going to engineer a situation to steal an election, like, make sure that you, like, steal enough that you can actually, like, wield power and get done the things you want to get done. Because as it stands right now, Democrats are kind of dead in the water. But it's just, I, I don't, I don't know what to say to some things sometimes. And just some of the stuff that's been circulated online, on Twitter, on Facebook, on all of it, it's just like... What the hell is wrong with you people? I just, I, like, I don't, I don't want to go on the whole rant that I've done before about incentives and the reasons why people do the things they do. That's a whole nother rant for another day. And it's a rant that I've done before, but I'm sure I will do it again. But it's just like, come on now. I, there, there are people pushing some of this stuff that I know, I know are smarter than that. I know they are. I know, but here we are. And so what's going to end up happening over the next week? I don't know. I'm sure there will be more lawsuits. Um, again, there's been yet to be anything that has had any there there in the courts. And quite frankly, that's all I care about at this point. Like you say whatever you want on social media. Like if you, if this can't pass muster in a court, then it doesn't fucking matter what narrative you put on social media. It ain't happening. Like, we can't even get past, like, the basic stuff. And people want to talk about taking it to the Supreme Court. I'm like, they can't even formulate a case to make it past, like, an hour's worth of questioning by a judge. I'm just like, like I said, I thought this effort would be way more coordinated, way more polished, way more sophisticated. I don't know what I was thinking. I, I should have known better. But to cap it off... <laughs> Oh my god, I cannot believe this happened. I want to know the backstory of this so bad. Um, on on Saturday, the Trump campaign scheduled a press conference for what was apparently supposed to be the Four Seasons in Philadelphia. Um, I, I have no clue how this happened. I, I don't know who fucks up this badly, but apparently they did not schedule it at the Four Seasons Hotel. Um, they scheduled it at the Four Seasons Landscaping Company. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so they, 
they have to play this off, right? They have to pretend like they did this on purpose, which it's very clear this was not on purpose. Like, you scheduled a press conference at some random landscaping company where there's, like, a porno shop across the street. Like, really? You wanted to tell me you did that on purpose? Really? Okay. So, they have to pretend like this is serious. So, they go to the Four Seasons Landscaping Company and set up and get ready to do... Their, their press conference and Rudy's there and there's a couple other people there. Well, in the meantime of getting ready and getting set up to do the press conference, that's when the AP called the race for Joe Biden. So at that point, journalists just started leaving the press conference <laughs> because there was nothing left. Like, oh, well, okay, um, bye. <laughs> And the press conference itself was like some kind of freaking disaster piece, which is exactly what you would expect from a campaign that I don't... Was this an episode of Veep? Like, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> You're doing some press conference in front of some random landscaping company about court cases that you can't win. Like, what? what am I, what am I watching? What are you doing? Like, just... Take the L. Just take the L and try to bow out gracefully as humanly possible and try to figure out a way to pivot away from this madness. Although some of us, myself included, will never let some people pivot away from this. I'm going to remember the past four years. I see you. But my God, that was just like, you couldn't have scripted that. Like there will never be anything that is more of a punchline than that. I'm just like, I, I don't. Like, just just pack it in at this point. Like, just stop. But, but the funny thing that has happened is the the narrative around the lawsuits has changed, at least online. I don't know if this is actually coming out of the Trump camp, but I've seen a shift in what people are using to justify the reasons for these lawsuits. And initially, obviously, it was to contest the results of the election, but now... Now it's not since it's like obvious and as even if you get a vote recount, we're not talking about hundreds of votes. We're not even talking about thousands of votes. We're talking like in Wisconsin, you'd be looking at 20,000 votes. Like that's the difference in Wisconsin. Um, I think in Michigan, it's like 80,000 votes. Like you're not making these up on a vote recount. You're just not. You're not going to find 80,000 fucking votes. Like, stop it. That doesn't even make any damn sense. So the pivot is now that it's not about this election. It's about preserving the, the, the integrity of the election process for the next election. And so what you're telling me is that Donald Trump is the conservative Stacey Abrams. <laughs> because that's exactly the pivot that the Abrams camp made in 2018 in the gubernatorial race. It's like, it started out like, oh, okay, this is about this election. And once it became obvious that like, there was nothing that they could legally do about that election. It was, it became, oh no, this is about preserving the the integrity of future elections. It's like, okay, I get that you got to save face. I get that you got to make it look like you're not being a total fucking jackass, but you are. (laughs) Oh my God, this is going to be the new grift. Watch, trust and believe. Um, Donald Trump's already doing it. Um, he's still sending out fundraising emails for this legal fight, which, I mean, last I heard, the Trump campaign is not even willing to pay the $3 million it would need for a recount in Wisconsin. So, 
at some point you have to realize that they're not really taking this all that seriously. Like if you really, really, really thought that a recount in Wisconsin would help you, you'd spend $3 million. Like it's just, it there, there's what's being said and what's being done are two entirely different things. And you know me, I'm going to look at what you're doing. Like you could say whatever you want, but if you're not actually producing any kind of results, if you're not willing to pay to have the recounts done, if you cannot present evidence in a court, I don't, uh, what do you want me to say? Like, I, I'm not going to back a narrative that's just completely unfounded in any kind of like logic or reason or evidence that can be proven in a court. Like, I, I don't know what, I don't know. <laughs> wow, this week has been quite a doozy. So, but yeah. I'm sure next week will too. <laughs> I, I, like I said, I'm sure there'll be more lawsuits. Maybe eventually we'll know who won Georgia. Maybe. But then we'll do this all again in January. Oh, so much fun. My state. Trolling the whole damn nation. For months. Because Georgia. Yeah, it's, it's not Florida man anymore. It's Georgia man. We we took Florida's place. Sorry, Florida. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So at this point, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up because I think we've gone on long enough about this dumpster fire of a week. So if you did make it this far, thank you for listening. And if you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. And don't forget to subscribe to the Substack. Take care and until next time.